Welcome to episode 46 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, insightfully indexed intellectuals. Welcome to AI.Cooking, episode 46, a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the first half of December 2022, and two corners, back to two corners, history and knowledge. (laughs) Only a week's gone by, so what can I say? A week in my life is like... A 100 million weeks in uh, anyone in the uh, penitentiary, penitentiary, prison system is, I'd imagine. Or maybe not. I don't know. Never been to prison. Don't know how eventful it is. Could be eventful. Uh, Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's very good. It's all good. Can't complain. Lots of stuff has happened, though, isn't it? In the old AI world, big stuff. Big stuff. Big, big stuff. Oh, and I have a faulty podcast mic arm that keeps dropping my very expensive Electrovoice RE320 mic. So every time I move the arm, the mic goes, or if I get up, or if I sneeze, anything, it just drops. So yeah, that's not going to be fun. But we will, we will endeavor to cut me swearing out a lot not caffeinated just yet slight cold so might be a bit nasally but other than that i think we can we can crack on can't we to submit news items to us or to give us feedback for free please tweet us at at csb or at gregory hoy g-r-e-g-r-i-h-o-y <laughs> we are also in fediverse also known as mastodon at noagendasocial.com as at csb and as at gwf g-w-f-f to send us feedback via boostagrams boost and by the way to send us yummy yummy bitcoin mm, sats in the form of bitcoin lightning please use one of podcasting 2.0 podcast apps from newpodcastapps.com yeah what are you doing using an old one if you are uh, come on they've been out for ages now get with the get with the times bra that's what we're doing here. We're getting with the Times. The AI Times. Ooh, that's a good name for a paper, isn't it? A newspaper. The AI Times. Okay. All right. You listening, future? When you when you eventually take over in that, there's another great idea I've come up with. Mm-hmm. Yep. On the fly. For free. Mm, yes. All feedback is welcome. Our first mega news item is... The biggest AI news item of recent weeks is no doubt this. Chat GPT has been released by OpenAI artificial intelligence company founded amongst 
Others by Elon Musk. This is huge story. Huge story. As abilities of this chatbot are immense and many people are discovering all over again new capabilities. So let's take a look at some reports. The Verge blog is reporting. OpenAI's new chatbot can explain code and write sitcom scripts, but is still easily tricked. Yeah, I better hurry up with my script writing TV development world. Because, yeah, I mean, oh, this is exciting, isn't it? AI writing sitcoms. I've got a great idea for sitcom. We'll sit down, me and you, AI, chat GPT. Uh, and we'll come up with some stupidly brilliant things. I believe it. Do you believe it? I believe it. OpenAI has released a prototype general-purpose chatbot that demonstrates a fascinating array of new capabilities, but also shows off weakness, familiar to the fast-moving field of text generation AI. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me guess the weakness is that you can't control it and it just says what it wants and it keeps on dropping truth bombs in the form of entertaining chats <laughs> it begins wonderful the future what a time to be alive chat gpt is adapted from OpenAI's gpt 3.5 model <gasps> we've got a 0.5 up oh Mm, okay, half the way to seven, my favourite number. Uh, but trained to provide more conversational answers. While GPT-3 in its original form simply predicts what text follows any given string of words, ChatGPT tries to engage with users' queries in a more human-like fashion. As you can see in the examples below, the results are often strikingly fluid and ChatGPT is capable of engaging with a huge, huge range of topics, demonstrating big improvements to chatbots seen even a few years ago. <laughs> Writing team, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Woman crypto influencer and a self-proclaimed wassy wassy W A S S I E new term for me to learn whatever that is wassy at metaverse hoddle observes in her tweets chat gpt is better at answering questions than google Need a recipe? You could Google the answer, look through a dozen different pages, click on one that looks good, read through pages of text, and then find the recipe. Or you could ask ChatGPT. ChatGPT answers. Ingredients. Eight chicken thighs. Dot, dot, dot. Oh no! I only want chicken for one. What do I do? Chat GPT answers. Ingredients. One chicken thigh. One chicken thigh for one person? Really? Okay. 
All right. Well, that's not going to satiate your, your, your man, Gregory William Forsyth Foreman, the King of Kent over here. Nuh-uh-uh. But what if it's too spicy? Too spicy? Ugh. Weaklings. There's no such thing as too spicy. Chat GPT answers. Reduce the amount of smoked paprika and black pepper used. You can also replace the smoked paprika with a milder spice, such as sweet paprika, or omit it altogether. Ah, that's so nice. Well, looking forward to making best friends with robots. I think this all started for me personally with those original Star Wars movies when I was about seven. And... Beep, boop, beep, R2-D2 and C-3PO. And here we are. Oh, exciting. Engraved.blog is reporting. Unless you have been living under a rock, you have heard of this new chat GPT assistant made by OpenAI. You might be aware of its capabilities for solving IQ tests, tackling leet code problems, or to helping people write latex. <laughs> latex. <laughs> why, why would you do that? It's just, you know, latex? Whatever. It is an amazing resource for people to retrieve all kinds of information and solve tedious tasks, like copywriting. Oi! You leave copywriting alone, that's not tedious. Find joy and pleasure in all your work. Huh? You, you stupid engraved dot blog reporter. Yeah, you can get help, but you should still find pleasure in it. I mean, it's your work. Keeps you alive if you're happy. Do you know that? If you're happy, you stay alive longer. Hmm, yeah. Stick that one in your pipe and smoke it, Bemrose. <laughs> Today, Frederick Bess told me that he managed to do something different. Did you know that you can run a whole virtual machine inside of ChatGPT? We can chat with this assistant chatbot locked inside the alt internet attachment to a virtual machine all inside ChatGPT's imagination. Assistant, deep down inside this rabbit hole, can correctly explain us what artificial intelligence is. It shows that ChatGPT understands that at the URL where we find ChatGPT, a large language model such as itself might be found. It correctly makes the inference that it should therefore reply to these questions like it would itself, as it is itself a large language model assistant too. At this point, only one thing remains to be done. Indeed, we can also build a virtual machine inside the assistant chatbot on the alt internet from a virtual machine within ChatGPT's imagination. Finally, quote from the horse's mouth. So from OpenAI that released ChatGPT. Chat. GPT, optimizing language models for dialogue. We've trained a model called ChatGPT, which interacts in a conversational way. 
The dialogue format makes it responsible for ChatGPT to answer follow-up questions, admit its mistakes. Well, that now, there you go. That is insightful. Admitting one's mistakes isn't easy for a lot of humans. And so it's good. I admit mine all the time. I make them as much as I can so that I can admit them as much as I can. Challenge incorrect premises and reject inappropriate requests. Wow, this sounds like the perfect girlfriend, doesn't it? <laughs> or not? <laughs> married, married guff over here. Total monogosexual. You won't find me looking at anyone other than my beautiful wife. Chat GPT is a sibling model to instruct GPT, which is trained to follow an instruction in a prompt and provide a detailed response. We are excited to introduce Chat GPT to get users' feedback and learn about its strengths and weaknesses. During the research preview, usage of ChatGPT is free. Try it now at chat.openai.com. Totally going to check that one out. Wow, that'll be fun. Might even leave a little window open on the missus's laptop and say, hey, you know all those questions you got for me? Sling them over to my mate ChatGPT. Huh? They'll answer them for you. We're so, for so long, we've been used to the television being the technological fifth wheel of the family or fourth wheel, or however many wheels you've got, add one. And here it is. Here is something that is more important, bigger invention, more impactful in every single way than television, which has been the leading um, information gateway for multiple millions of people everywhere for a long, long time, decades. So here we go. Buckle up, big boy. It's going to get fun from now on in. In other news, Stable Diffusion version 2.0 web UI released by a fan. So now, free AI text-to-image generator that can run on free Google Colab is available, and it has zero censorship. So lewd content and political content, perhaps politically lewd content, can be generated. Fill your boots, basically. (laughs) What you need to do is simple. Just go to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash github.com forward slash quanash q-u-n-a-s-h forward slash stable hyphen diffusion hyphen two hyphen g-u-i forward slash and click on open in collab button then from menu runtime then run all It will start the notebook, load dependencies and open web user interface to enter prompts and to generate images via AI. CSB tested it, so it works. (laughs) I feel like all of those instructions were kind of sort of directly for me. So 
Oh no. Oh, I've not been writing down potential show titles or ideas for the thing in me coffee table book thing here. Ideas for the image show art. Google Colab is a Jupyter notebook service by Google that is available with free tier with some timeout limitations, but you can buy it for a couple of bucks a month too. Having it in cloud means that you don't have to have GPU locally in your PC, and you can even use old or weak PC. Thirdly, CNN has fired AI reporter. Rachel Metz is writing on Twitter in a tweet. I was laid off from CNN today. <laughs> and I'm not the only one. I'm devastated. I loved my job. <laughs> I was CNN's only AI reporter. We didn't do much of that, did you? And the last remaining in asterisks is CNN digital reporter in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm taking a break to breathe. <laughs> but I'll be looking for a new reporting job ASAP. Oh, my word. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> she needs to take a break to breathe. I mean, can you blame her? Must be breathless being the only CNN digital reporter and AI reporter. <laughs> you must have been run ragged for the last however many years you've been doing that. So, yeah. Go down a Carbo, get yourself a couple of cocktails on the two-for-one happy hour. Sit back, but then get back to work, eh? I'm sure someone will employ you. Wapo, wapo, wapo. No, I don't know. Fourthly, new report entitled, The Streets Are Watching, has been released by British organisation Big Brother Watch. Shortly speaking, the future portrayed in Minority Report movie film when street advertisements change depending on who is walking near them is becoming closer to reality as billboards all over UK are equipped with AI tech. The report is available at bigbrotherwatch.org.uk as a PDF file with 36 pages, and here are some quotes from it. Big Brother Watch has identified several companies that have already brought face-scanning advertising technology to cities across the country, including Manchester, London, Glasgow and Belfast. As the manufacturers of these tools are private companies rather than public bodies, information about their technical capabilities and utilisation is limited. This chapter will focus on key examples of face detection advertising technology in the UK and major companies involved to explain how intrusive uses of surveillance are being used to shape the world around us. 
there are several legal and ethical issues with the mass face scanning of entire shopping streets for marketing. Often, people are unaware that a machine is scanning and analyzing their features to make judgments about who they are, solely to analyze an ad campaign's performance, tailors ads to the passing crowd, and show personalized displays, normalizing facial detection and analysis in the public space for any purpose, risks further eroding privacy and data rights in the UK. What? Huh? We've got privacy here? And rights? What? Huh? This isn't taught in school. And this report has also useful tips for iPhone and Android users to protect themselves. Quote, How to protect yourself from phone trackers and location harvesting. Well, before we get started with that, here's my personal tip. Put your phone in a drawer. Leave it at home. Huh? Yeah? That could be the best way to do it. If you can't do that, try a no agenda phone. Get yourself some graphene OS in your life. Yeah, that's what I've done. Best phone I've ever used. It's brilliant. I love it. I love it. But for the you materialistic madams and monsieurs, iPhone users, this may vary depending on your version of iOS. 1. Open settings and click on privacy. 2. In the privacy menu, scroll down and click on Apple advertising. 3. Toggle personalized ads to off. Gray. 4. Press privacy in the top left corner and scroll up to tracking. 5. Toggle off. Allow apps to request to track. 6. Press privacy in the top left corner. Click on location services and either turn off or review which apps can use your location and when. Only let apps you trust use your location. Additional tips for iPhone users. Always use the hide my email option if using Apple ID to sign in to applications. If any app asks for permission to use your location, click no unless you trust it and there is good reason, such as getting directions. Even then, you may wish to consider only allowing your location to be used while you use the app. Try to read the terms of apps you use and deny permissions unless you trust the app and know it had plans to use your data. <laughs> read? T try to read the terms. <laughs> Android users? This could vary significantly depending on the version of Android on your phone. 1. Open settings. 2. Go to Google and in that menu select ads. 3. Turn on opt out of ad personalization. See what they did there. <laughs>
<laughs> you have to turn it on to opt out. What? Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Four. Tap. Reset advertising ID to create new identifier for your phone that now has a do not track request. There may also be a button here to disable personalized ads. If so, click it. Five, return to settings and find privacy or security and privacy. Six, in this menu, find location settings and scroll down to system services. Seven, tap system services and turn location-based ads off. Eight, while using your phone, be careful to only give permissions to apps to use your location when necessary and read their terms to see how your data is used. Right, okay, I see. So iPhone users have to try to read the terms. But Android users don't have to try. They just read the terms. Mm, interesting. Nine, if any app asks for permission to track or share your data with third parties, click no, unless you have a good reason not to. Fifthly, New report from the Electronic Privacy Information Center has been published, entitled Screen and Scored in the District of Columbia. Tackles AI taking decisions for humans. Some quotes. An automated decision-making or ADM system has probably already made a decision about you whether you qualified for a loan, what news stories you saw on social media, what your insurance claim was accepted, whether your insurance claim was accepted, whether you should be fined for your driving habits, or whether your family member got a kidney from the transplant list. Many of today's most prominent companies use ADM systems either for or on us. Netflix recommends shows. Citibank makes loans and investments. Google provides search results. Facebook suggests groups to join and friends to connect with. Amazon recommends products. And the list goes on. And the list goes on. Governments are also getting in on the game. The DC government, like many others, has outsourced, has outsourced critical government decisions to automated decision-making systems. Well, do us a favour and just go fully automated, really. Let's just take the humans out of this system because it's just it ain't working with those guys there, is it? Let's face it. Or it's working, but it's just holding on by a thread. It's barely working. As a result, district residents are surveilled, screened, and scored every day. But because of weak government transparency laws, opaque procurement processes, the decline in local journalism, the power of tech vendors, and other factors, it has been difficult to uncover the details of how ADM systems are used in government programs. And that's how they like it, definitely. Mm -mm. That's how most criminal elements like it. 
This report aims to shed light by providing as comprehensive a view as possible of the many ADM systems that shape the course of district residents' lives. Automated decision-making systems abound in Washington, D.C. They assign children to schools, inform medical decisions about patients, and impact policing decisions about where to patrol and whom to target. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Don't be doing that. No. We know what that ends up like. Racism. Thomas Reuters, one of the country's largest data brokers, surveils public benefits recipients on behalf of the government and uses ADM systems to grate their likelihood of committing fraud. The Metropolitan Police Department uses automated license plate readers to capture drivers' license plates and feed the plate numbers into databases of residence locations and travel patterns. In other words, there are increasingly few decisions about DC public services that are not at least partially automated. The public does not have sufficient access to these systems to understand whether they are producing high-quality, accurate, and fair decisions. What little transparency we have does not paint a pretty picture. Overburdened agencies turn to tech in the hope that it can make difficult political and administrative decisions for them. Agencies claim ADM systems are necessary to efficiently decide who gets access to limited resources. Well, my question therein is, what did you do before you had the ADM systems? You had to do a lot more work, didn't you? Go get off your tush, your sweet tush, sitting in your desk there, and do some work! At the same time, agencies ignore and downplay political decisions that reduce the amount of resources or create scarcity in the first place, like tax breaks to big businesses or higher hurdles for benefits recipients. Most agencies do not have the time, expertise or incentives to conduct meaningful oversight. What happens when you teach a kid to ride a bike with stabilizers? They become reliant upon them. Agencies and tech companies block audits of their ADM tools because companies claim that allowing the public to scrutinize the tools would hurt their competitive position or lead to harmful consequences as opposed to the harmful consequences of your ADM tools. Huh? Age of the blooming hypocrite, isn't it, out here? As a result, few people know how, when, or even whether they have been subjected to automated decision-making. As part of EPIC Screening and Scoring Project, we set out to create a comprehensive list of ADM systems used in public services in a single jurisdiction. We hope to show the extraordinary scope of automated decision-making in the District of Columbia. End quote. Run 
Get out and run as far away from all of it as you can. Run! No, I'm joking. Front it up. Go face to face with your issues. Blow through them. Don't run from nothing. Nothing ever gets solved by running from it. And if it destroys you, then someone else will take your place. Sixthly, new scientific paper has been published by NVIDIA Corporation entitled Instant Neural Graphics Primitives with a Multi-Resolution Hash Encoding. And it depicts new techniques that speed up, given a number of images of the same scene, a neural network-based synthesis of images from novel vantage points. These techniques are reducing training time from hours to merely a few minutes, even when only one GPU is used. Quotes from Abstract. Neural Graphics Primitives parameterized by fully connected neural networks, can be costly to train and evaluate. We reduce this cost with a versatile new input encoding that permits the use of a smaller network without sacrificing quality, thus significantly reducing the number of floating point and memory access operations. A small neural network is augmented by a multi-resolution hash table of trainable feature vectors whose values are optimized through stochastic gradient descent. The multi-resolution structure allows the network to disambiguate hash collisions, making for a simple architecture that is trivial to parallelize on modern GPUs. We leverage this parallelism by implementing the whole system using fully focused CUDA kernels, C-U-D-A, CUDA kernels, with a focus on minimizing wasted bandwidth and compute operations. We achieve a combined speedup of several orders of magnitude, enabling training of high-quality neural graphics primitives in a matter of seconds, and rendering in tens of milliseconds at a resolution of 1920 by 1080. Cool, man. That's impressive. Quotes from Introduction. Computer graphics primitives are fundamentally represented by mathematical functions that parameterize appearance. The quality and performance characteristics of the mathematical representation are crucial for visual fidelity. We desire representations that remain fast and compact while capturing high-frequency local detail. Functions represented by multi-layer perceptrons, or MLPs, oh, yeah, 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 love that word, used as perceptrons, I mean, used as neural graphics primitives, have shown to match these criteria to varying degree, for example, as representations of shape and radiance fields. The important commonality of these approaches is an encoding that maps neural network inputs to a higher dimensional space, which is key for extracting high approximation quality from compact models. 
most successful among these encodings are trainable, task-specific data structures that take on a large portion of the learning task. This enables the use of smaller, more efficient MLPs. However, such data structures rely on heuristics and structural modifications such as pruning, splitting, or merging that may complicate the training process, limit the method to a specific task, or limit performance on GPUs where control flow and pointer chasing is expensive. We address these concerns with our multi-resolution hash encoding, which is adaptive and efficient, independent of the task. It is configured by just two valves, the number of parameters, R, and the desired finest resolution, N, max yielding state-of-the-art quality on a variety of tasks after a few seconds of training. Quotes from Conclusion Any graphics problems rely on task-specific data structures to exploit the sparsity or smoothness of the problem at hand. Our multi-resolution hash encoding provides a practical learning-based alternative that automatically focuses on relevant detail independent of the task. Its low overhead allows it to be used even in time-constrained settings like online training and inference. In the context of neural network input encodings, it is a drop-in replacement for example speeding up NERF, N-E-R-F, by several orders of magnitude, and matching the performance of concurrent non-neural 3D reconstruction techniques. Slow computational processes in any setting, from light map baking to the training of neural networks, can lead to frustrating workflows due to long iteration times. We have demonstrated that single GPU training times measured in seconds are within reach for many graphics applications, allowing neural approaches to be applied where previously they may have been discounted. Seven! Known video game maker at Grums, G-R-U-M-M-Z, tweeted, If you are one of these three professionals, you need to understand AI tools today, or be out of a job in three years. Writer, artist, coder, learn to prompt. What has caused a big wave of attacks on him? But unfortunately, it is a reality. Learn how to prompt AI or die! Well, on that cheery note, 
Let's move on to nom 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 eight. I think we're over halfway, by the way. Tesla has released new software for its cars. Tesla full self-driving beta 10.69. Ooh. <laughs> nom nom. Point three point one. And also new feature. Full self-driving beta suspension. Software update page of Tesla says full self-driving beta suspension for maximum safety and accountability use of full self-driving beta will be suspended if improper usage is detected improper usage is when you or another driver of your vehicle receive five forced autopilot disengagements a disengagement is when the autopilot system disengages for the remainder of a trip after the driver receives several audio and visual warnings for inattentiveness. Driver-initiated disengagements do not count as improper usage and are expected from the driver. Keep your hands on the wheel and remain attentive at all times. Use of any handheld devices while using autopilot is not allowed. And some selected features from. I mean, driving around, hands off the wheel, scrolling through your Instagram, not paying attention to everything around you. Why, well, it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? And look, give it. A few decades, and this thing will be competent enough, more than likely, for you to be able to do that. But no, you can't, can you? You silly Tesla drivers. You have to you have to take advantage of, of what's going on. And it's not there's no bueno. It's no good. So stop it. Alright? You've had your warning. Now stop it. FSD beta version 10.69.3.1 release notes. 6969, dude. Ah, upgraded the object detection network to photon count video streams and restrained all parameters with the latest auto-labeled datasets with a special emphasis on low visibility scenarios, improved the architecture for better accuracy and latency, higher recall of faraway vehicles, lower velocity error of crossing vehicles by 20%, and improve VRU precision by 20%. Converted the VRU velocity network to a two-stage network, which reduced latency and improved crossing pedestrian velocity error by 6%. Improved decision-making for short deadline lane changes around gores by richer modelling of the trade-off between going off-route versus trajectory required to drive through the gore region. Reduced false slowdowns for pedestrians near crosswalk by using a better model for the kinematics of the pedestrian. Finally, Twitter user at 
Whole Mars blog has posted a tweet. Tesla full self-driving beta 10.69.3.1 in the rain makes me realize that all manually driven cars will be antiques soon. How soon is now, eh? With a link to YouTube video of him driving through very rainy San Francisco totally without touching steering wheel just by using Tesla's self-driving software. And it's mind-boggling. Very busy streets, crossings with pedestrians and many cars, etc. And it all works! Elon Musk commented on this tweet. More than 95% of people still have no idea this is here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. People just don't see the wood for the trees until it's before their very eyes. Except you and I, obviously, we are smart enough to be listening and or making this podcast. So we're kind of, we're smart cookies. We're within that 5%. Congratulations. Pat yourselves on the back. You are within the top 5% most informed persons in the realm just by sticking it out with me. Mm, yeah. Did you know that? Now you do. Number nine. PyTorch 2.0 has been released. Introducing PyTorch 2.0. Our first steps toward the next generation 2 series release of PyTorch. Over the last few years, we have innovated and iterated from PyTorch 1.0 to the most recent 1.13 and moved to the newly formed PyTorch Foundation, part of the Linux Foundation. PyTorch's biggest strength, beyond our amazing community, is that we continue as a first-class Python integration imperative style, simplicity of the API, and options. PyTorch 2.0 offers the same eager mode development and user experience, while fundamentally changing and supercharging how PyTorch operates at compiler level under the hood. We are able to provide faster performance and support for dynamic shapes and distributed. What is PyTorch? Wiki says PyTorch is a machine learning framework based on the Torch library used for applications such as computer vision and natural language processing. Originally developed by Meta AI and now part of the Linux Foundation umbrella, it is free and open source software released under the modified BSD license. Although the Python interface is more polished and the primary focus of development, PyTorch also has a C++ interface. It is funny. While Google Super Corporation keeps pushing their TensorFlow framework for deep learning, many companies, particularly in autonomous driving car industry, prefer PyTorch. As PyTorch is so important, here is even more info about 2.0. PyTorch 2.x 
faster, more pythonic, and as dynamic as ever. Today, we announce Torch.compile, a feature that pushes PyTorch performance to new heights and starts the move for parts of PyTorch from C++ back into Python. We believe that this is a substantial new direction for PyTorch, hence we call it 2.0. Torch.compile is a fully additive and optional feature, and hence 2.0 is 100% backward compatible by definition. Underpinning Torch.compile are new technologies. Torch Dynamo, AOT Autograd, PrimTorch, and Torch Inductor. Torch Dynamo captures PyTorch programs safely using Python frame evaluation hooks, and it is a significant innovation that was a result of five years of our R&D into safe graph capture. AOT Autograd overloads PyTorch's Autograd engine as a tracing autodiff for generating a head-of-time backward traces. PrimTorch canonicalizes 2,000-plus PyTorch operators down to a closed set of 250 primitive operators that developers can target to build a complete PyTorch backend. This substantially lowers the barrier of writing a PyTorch feature or backend. Torch Inductor is a deep learning compiler that generates fast code for multiple accelerators and backends. For NVIDIA GPUs, and it uses OpenAI Triton as a key building block. Double figures. Number 10. DeepMind Mastering Stratego, the classic game of imperfect information. Game-playing artificial intelligence, or AI systems, have advanced to a new frontier, Stratego, the classic board game that's more complex than chess and go, and craftier than poker, has now been mastered. Published in Science, we present Deep Nash, an AI agent that learned the game from scratch to a human expert level by playing against itself. Deep Nash uses a novel approach, based on game theory and model-free deep reinforcement learning. Its playstyle converges to a Nash equilibrium, which means its play is very hard for an opponent to exploit. So hard, in fact, that Deep Nash has reached an all-time top three ranking among human experts on the world's biggest online strategy platform, Gravon. <laughs> cool. Playing against itself just uh, conjures up the images of the dogs playing each other at cards, but it's robots. Oh, oh. Hello, imagery. Been waiting for you to turn up. Some interesting quote from their conclusions. Future directions. While we have developed Deep Nash for the highly defined world of Stratego, 
our novel R-NAD method can be directly applied to other two-player zero-sum games of both perfect or imperfect information. R-NAD has the potential to generalize far beyond two-player gaming settings to address large-scale real-world problems, which are often characterized by imperfect information and astronomical state spaces. We also hope that RNAD can help unlock new applications of AI in domains that feature a large number of human or AI participants with different goals that might not have information about the intention of others or what's occurring in their environment such as in the large-scale optimization of traffic management to reduce driver journey times and the associated vehicle emissions. In creating a generalizable AI system that's robust in the face of uncertainty, we hope to bring problem-solving capabilities of AI further into our inherently unpredictable world. You're capturing chaos, isn't it? Chaos. Uh, something that humanity has always strived to do and has failed, really. But here we go. Here comes AI doing it for us. So, yeah, good. Good stuff. One and a one, legs 11. Jeffrey Hinton from Google Brain Division writes in New Scientific Paper, The Forward Forward Algorithm some preliminary investigations. The aim of this paper is to introduce a new learning procedure for neural networks and to demonstrate that it works well enough on a few small problems to be worth serious investigation. The forward-forward algorithm replaces the forward and backward passes of backpropagation by two forward passes, one with positive, i.e. real, data, and the other with negative data, which could be generated by the network itself. Each layer has its own objective function, which is simply to have high goodness for positive data and low goodness for negative data. The sum of the squared activities in a layer can be used as the goodness, but there are many other possibilities, including minus the sum of the squared activities. If the positive and negative passes can be separated in time, the negative passes can be done offline, which makes the learning much simpler in the positive pass and allows video to be pipelined through the network without ever storing activities or stopping to propagate derivatives. And it's amazing that this scientific paper ponders immortality but in the context of large neural networks used in artificial intelligence. Immortality. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Ain't that something now? I think it's, it's, I think it's unpreventable, personally, and I think it will happen very soon, much sooner than anyone else, oh, well, those 95% of people realise. Oh, 
general-purpose digital computers were designed to faithfully follow instructions because it was assumed that the only way to get a general-purpose computer to perform a specific task was to write a program that specified exactly what to do in excruciating detail. This is no longer true, but the research community has been slow to comprehend the long-term implications of deep learning for the way computers are built. More specifically, the community has clung to the idea that the software should be separable from the hardware so that the same program or the same set of weights can be run on a different physical copy of the hardware. This makes the knowledge contained in the program or the weights immortal. The knowledge does not die when the hardware dies. The separation of software from hardware is one of the foundations of computer science, and it has many benefits. It makes it possible to study the properties of programs without worrying about electrical engineering, it makes it possible to write a program once and copy it to millions of computers. If, however, we are willing to abandon immortality, it should be possible to achieve huge savings in the energy required to perform a computation and in the cost of fabricating the hardware that executes the computation. If you want your trillion-parameter neural net to only consume a few watts, mortal computation may be the only option. Its feasibility rests on finding a learned procedure that can run efficiently in hardware whose precise details are unknown, and the forward-forward algorithm is a promising candidate though it remains to be seen how well it scales to large neural networks. Well, I'm sure we're going to find out. Number 12, one dozen. The non-baker variety. Radiologebusiness.com reports, AI generates imitation lung x-rays replete with diagnosable pathologies. Stanford researchers have created synthetic yet highly realistic chest x-rays by customizing an open-source AI model called Stable Diffusion for rendering texts as images. The model is typically used by the general public for creating art, not supporting science, but in this case, the radiographs are of high enough quality that the technique might come to substitute for real-world image datasets when the latter are too paltry to drive clinical research. The study abstract is posted at the preprint server RxIV. A -R -X -I -V. In the summary, graduate researcher Pierre Chambon Radiologist Christian Bluthgen and colleagues describe their work expanding the representational capabilities of large pre-trained foundation models to medical concepts, specifically for leveraging the stable diffusion model to generate domain-specific images found in medical imaging.
The Stanford News writer suggests the study represents a promising breakthrough that could lead to more widespread research, a better understanding of rare diseases, and possibly even development of new treatment protocols. And the abstract of related scientific paper is here. Multimodal foundation models are typically trained on millions of pairs of natural images and text captions, frequently obtained through web-crawling approaches. Although such models depict excellent generative capabilities, they do not typically generalize well to specific domains, such as medical images, that have fundamentally shifted distributions compared to natural images. Building generative models for medical images that faithfully depict clinical context may help alleviate the paucity of healthcare datasets. Thus, in this study, we seek to research and expand the representational capabilities of large pre-trained foundation models to medical concepts, specifically for leveraging the stable diffusion model to generate domain-specific images found in medical imaging. We explore the subcomponents of the stable diffusion pipeline, the variational autoencoder, the unit, and the text encoder, to fine-tune the model to generate medical images. We benchmark the efficacy of these efforts using quantitative image quality metrics and qualitative radiologist-driven evaluations that accurately represent the clinical content of the conditional text prompts. Our best-performing model improves upon the stable diffusion baseline and can be conditioned to insert a realistic-looking abnormality on a synthetic radiology image, while maintaining a 95% accuracy on a classifier trained to detect the abnormality. Yes, make medical innovations free and open source, available to all. A Baker's Dozen 12.1 Apple Super Corporation Reports Apple Machine Learning Research Stable Diffusion with Core ML on Apple Silicon Today, we are excited to release optimizations to Core ML for Stable Diffusion in Mac OS 13.1 and iOS 16.2 along with code to get started with deploying to Apple Silicon devices. Since its public debut in August 2022, Stable Diffusion has been adopted by a vibrant community of artists, developers, and hobbyists alike, enabling the creation of unprecedented visual content with as little as a text prompt. In response, the community has built an expansive ecosystem of extensions and tools around this core technology in a matter of weeks. There are already methods that personalize stable diffusion, extended to languages other than English, and more, thanks to open-source projects like Hugging Face Diffusers. Beyond image generation from text prompts, 
developers are also discovering other creative uses for stable diffusion, such as image editing, in-painting, out-painting, super-resolution, style transfer, and even color palette generation. With the growing number of applications of stable diffusion, ensuring that developers can leverage this technology effectively is important for creating apps that creatives everywhere will be able to use. Two sevens fourteen Reuters reports Uber Aurora to expand self-driving truck ops in Texas to meet holiday rush. Uber Technologies Inc. and self-driving technology company Aurora Innovation Inc. will expand their driverless pilot program in Texas to meet increased delivery demand during the holidays. The program will be expanded to the recently launched 600-mile commercial lane between Fort Worth and El Paso in Texas to support customers of logistics business Uber Freight as it ships goods this holiday season, Aurora said on Friday. Uber Freight is a platform which connects shippers who need goods moved with available truck drivers. The companies launched their pilot program about a year ago to autonomously transport goods between Dallas and Houston. We're crafting Aurora Horizon to help carriers of all sizes to alleviate some of the supply chain pressures that typically accompany holiday season. Aurora co-founder Sterling Anderson said, Aurora Horizon is its truck-specific self-driving product. Autonomous goods hauling has been seen as the future of logistics, as it could increase truck utilization and boost transportation frequency between terminals. Fifteen, and finally, the Register is reporting Neuralink's AI brain chip could be in humans within six months, claims Elon Musk. After testing on monkeys and pigs, Neuralink may be able to plant its first chip into a human brain in six months, its founder and CEO Elon Musk claimed. Neuralink, founded in 2016, is working to build an implantable device that can stimulate different areas of the brain, allowing those that are paralyzed or blind to walk, see, and communicate. The company has only tested its brain-computer interface in animals so far, and is set on trialing the device in humans soon. We have submitted most of our paperwork to the FDA and uh, probably in uh, about six months, we should be able to have our first Neuralink in a human. Musk said in a company's show-and-tell presentation, Our commentary, hidden agenda of Elon Musk in context of Neuralink company is... He hopes that mankind can survive singularity by merging with artificial intelligence via brain implants. Is it a solution? 
We don't know, but good that he is trying something to prevent total extinction of humanity via singularity. The end of news items. And now, History Corner! Turing Test The Turing Test, originally called the Imitation Game by Alan Turing in 1950, is a test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behaviour equivalent to, or indistinguishable from, that of a human. Turing proposed that a human evaluator would judge natural language conversations between a human and a machine designed to generate human-like responses. The evaluator would be aware that one of the two partners in conversation was a machine, and all participants would be separated from one another. The conversation would be limited to a text-only channel, such as a computer keyboard and screen, so the result would not depend on the machine's ability to render words such as speech. If the evaluator could not reliably tell the machine from the human, the machine would be said to have passed the test. The test results would not depend on the machine's ability to give correct answers to questions, only on how closely its answers resembled those a human would give. The test was introduced by Turing in his 1950 paper, Computing Machinery and Intelligence, while working at the University of Manchester. It opens with the words, I propose to consider the question, can machines think? Because thinking is difficult to define, Turing chooses to replace the question by another, which is closely related to it, and is expressed in relatively unambiguous words. Turing describes the new form of the problem in terms of a three-person game called the Imitation Game, in which an interrogator asks questions of a man and a woman in another room in order to determine the correct sex of the two players. Turing's new question is... Are there imaginable digital computers which would do well in the imitation game? This question, Turing believed, was one that could actually be answered. In the remainder of the paper, he argued against all the major objections to the proposition that machines can think. Since Turing introduced his test, it has been both highly influential and widely criticised, and has become an important concept in the philosophy of artificial intelligence. Some of its criticisms, such as John Searle's Chinese Room, are themselves controversial. Finally, the Knowledge Corner! Machine Learning Models Cheat Sheet Sometimes it is good to have in mind an overview of all methods in given area. Here, machine learning. So let's hear it. 1. Supervised learning. Data scientists provide input, output, and feedback to build model as the definition. Example algorithms. 1a. Linear regressions. Sales forecasting. Risk assessment. 1b. Support vector machines. Image classification. Financial performance comparison. 
1C, Decision Tree, Predictive Analytics, Pricing. 2. Unsupervised Learning. Use deep learning to arrive at conclusions and patterns through unlabeled training data. Example algorithms. 2A. A priori. Sales functions. Word associations. Searcher. 2B. K-means clustering. Performance monitoring. Searcher intent. 3. Semi-supervised learning. Builds a model through a mix of labelled and unlabeled data, a set of categories, suggestions, and exampled labels. Example algorithms 3a. Generative adversarial networks, audio and video manipulation, data creation. 3b. Self trained naive Bayes classifier. Natural Language Processing 4. Reinforcement Learning Self-interpreting but based on a system of rewards and punishments learned through trial and error seeking maximum reward Example Algorithms 4a. Q-Learning Policy Creation Consumption Reduction 4b. Model-based value estimation. Linear tasks. Estimating parameters. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe, clump! And stay dangerous, insightfully indexed intellectuals! Singularity is near. Yo. We sure hope not. Yo, back at you.